You're listening to the Quince podcast. China's ruling Communist Party turned 100 on 1st July, and its leader Xi Jinping made it clear in a defiant speech that the country will not be lectured by others. Speaking from the balcony of Tiananmen Gate in Beijing, his speech was laden with symbols that catalyzed the ruling party's march towards socialist modernization and nationalist rejuvenation. The Communist Party of China, or the CPC, was founded in 1912 and has been in power since 1949 and enjoys authority over all aspects of life and freedom in the country. The party commands vast economic resources, influence over small debt-ridden countries, and a rapidly modernizing military that has challenged not only India but also the West. In a nutshell, the political party and the government are synonymous. However, while the party celebrates 100 years of existence, the party has also been facing numerous allegations of human rights violations, privacy, and security concerns. Its economic and foreign relations policies have left it with few friends on the global map. and the party's future depends on the country's continued economic success however its failure in doing so may have wide-ranging economic and security concerns for the entire world so in today's episode we'll go through how the cpc continues to dominate china for the past 100 years and what does the future of the country look like under the leadership of xi jinping for this we spoke to manoj joshi a distinguished fellow at the observer research foundation and sudhendra kulkarni who served as an aide to former prime minister atal bihari vajpayee and is the founder of the Forum for a New South Asia which is powered by India Pakistan China cooperation Get tuned in to the big story the podcast where we dissect the headline making news for you and I'm your host Emmat The CPC has had a firm grip in China since 1949 and it is the second largest political party in the world right after the Bharatiya Janata Party. The CPC has also been growing at a rapid pace with thousands of people aspiring to join the party every year. According to a Times of India report, the process of joining the party consists of multiple stages which last almost 2 to 3 years. And according to Xinhua News Agency, as of 2021, the party has over 95 million active members and a large proportion of them are over the age of 61. Now despite being an authoritarian party and its record on the brutal crackdown on the ethnic muslim minority communities and the controversial security laws enforced in Hong Kong it surprisingly has considerably high levels of trust among its citizens according to a times of india report trust levels in the government have been over 80% since 2017 and even touched 90% in 2019 however the graph dropped to 82% in 2020 perhaps due to the cpc's poor handling of the pandemic in the initial days Here is another interesting statistic. A 2019 Ipsos survey found that a high percentage of Chinese people, almost 69%, believe that the CPC is representing their views and interests adequately. The CPC has evolved over the years from being a divided party to being an ambitious political party who has delivered economic success decade after decade. Its ideology has been influenced by Marxism, Leninism, and from one of its most respected political and cultural leaders, Mao Zedong. However, its current ideology of showing its might and power to the world deviates from a previous policy of hiding the capacities, biding the time and be good in maintaining a low profile. And President Xi Jinping in his speech on 1st July made it abundantly clear that China is not a country that should be challenged. Here is a translation of a part of his speech. Chinese people will never allow foreign forces to bully, oppress or enslave us. 
adding that whoever nurses delusions of doing that will crack their heads and spill blood on the great wall of steel. End quote. His speech also celebrated the party's success in tackling the pandemic, reducing poverty levels over time, and its economic gains in recent years. Political analyst Sudhinder Kulkarni says that given China's history of poverty and economic decline under its previous leadership, its growth under the CPC is of historic significance, not just for China, but for the entire world. I regard the 100 years of the Communist Party of China as a historic event, not only in the history of China, but in world history. Why world history? Because in 1921, when the Communist Party was founded by about 50 young uh, Chinese communists, Mao Zedong was one of them, China was uh, in a very bad shape. In fact, uh, as uh, Xi Jinping said in his speech yesterday, China was in decline and it was regarded as a nation withering away by the rest of the world. So from uh, a country that was devastated by the war of aggression by Japan, by internal uh, civil war and by 100 years of humiliation by Western imperialist powers and Japan, it has now become the second most important country in the world. There is no parallel in world history for a nation that has risen so spectacularly and so rapidly. And from India's point of view, and from the point of view of the common people of the world, one of the greatest achievements of China is that it has succeeded in eradicating absolute poverty. In the last 40 years, as many as 800 million people have been lifted out of poverty. And in the last eight years, after Xi Jinping became the general secretary of the party, one of the first resolutions he made was that in China would become completely free of poverty by the end of 2020. And it has been achieved. We in India have been talking about Garibi Hatao since the late 60s. Of course, India also has succeeded to a large extent or rather considerable extent in reducing poverty. But we cannot say that uh, Garibi Hatao has been successful so far in India. It has been successful in China. The living standards of the common people have risen remarkably in China in the last 70 years, especially after in the last 40 years after the economic reforms and opening up the policies that were the bold, very bold policy that were initiated by Deng Xiaoping in the late 1970s. So it is all these aspects resulting in China emerging as the second largest economy in the world, a technological power which is going to overtake America before the end of this decade, which makes the centenary of the Communist Party of China a historic event. Xi Jinping has transformed the CPC and its governance at an institutional level during his last nine years in power. Since becoming the General Secretary of the party in 2012, Xi Jinping, now 68, has made it increasingly clear that he sees himself as a transformative leader who is guiding China into a new era of global strength.
According to a report in the New York Times, Xi Jinping over his term as president has convinced the party and China that he alone can bring stability and honor to the country. And to do this, he must remain in command of the party. And to cement his command in and to cement his command in 2018, he abolished the two-term limit on the Chinese presidency, effectively making him president, party leader, and chairman of the People's Liberation Army for life. Manoj Joshi, a distinguished fellow at the Observer Research Foundation, said that the longevity of leaders of government, specifically in the case of China, will become a problem for the country. He added that the absence of a designated successor to Xi Jinping puts the country at a huge risk. You see, the thing is that uh, when Deng Xiaoping became the supreme leader in China, uh, in the late 70s, the Chinese had gone through a terrible time because of Mao Zedong. They, they, they had had Mao as a leader who had been responsible for a great famine, a lot of chaos, cultural revolution, people getting killed, lives disrupted. The party was almost destroyed. So Deng Xiaoping put in uh, certain principles of governance because he was the supreme leader. So he insisted, number one, that there will be term limits. No, no chairman of the party can be there for more than two terms. And further, uh, the second second point um, he he uh, insisted on there should be collective leadership. That the Chinese should the Politburo Standing Committee itself uh, should be the uh, top leadership forum. Now, Xi Jinping has overthrown both those uh, issues, and that has its consequences. What I'm saying is the longevity of leaders of a government is not just a Chinese problem. I mean, so you will see, for example, the U.S. has also instituted this concept of uh, two terms. You know, the president doesn't go beyond two terms hmm? because there's something that happens in the sense governments lose steam or they they they, they just are unable to get keep their act together for beyond two terms. And I think uh, so when Xi Jinping has done away with it, in a sense, he has taken a huge risk. And there is no, um, uh, right now, there is no designated successor to him, you see. And uh, the, um, the the problem is China's economy is slowing. The uh, China is aging. China itself is aging. A lot of restructuring has to be done, meaning the economy must move in a certain way. Uh, if it is to keep on, uh, you see, the danger is that China will age before it becomes rich. Now, China's per capita income is about $11,000 um, per person. But the problem is that even to be a developed country of the Korean variety, it should be four times that. And if it has to be of the American level, the American, American per capita income right now is $60,000. So the, uh, uh, the, 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 the challenge before China is that you want to become a developed and rich country. Will you be able to manage your productive forces uh, even as your system ages now in uh, by about 2030 uh, almost one third of china will be above the age of 60 which means there'll be a pressure on pensions there'll be pressure on the social uh, you know the social welfare uh, systems so what i'm saying is there are lots of hurdles uh, in the way and basically she who's I think now currently about what 68 or, uh, years old or something uh, around that and by not designating a successor he has put the huge party at a huge risk because should something happen to him just illness let us say he has a heart attack or something he gets incapacitated for some reason so you have a situation the party will be thrown uh, you know into a, 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 a chaos and so we'll go back to the 
Mao period when the party used to be periodically uh, thrown into, uh, you know, kind of all kinds of problems because of Mao, Mao's actions. But now uh, in, in, in those days, what was happening within the party had consequences for China, pretty grim consequences. But today, if the Chinese uh, Communist Party collapses or Chinese part, Communist Party is in uh, crisis, the consequences would affect the world as such. China is the world's foremost manufacturing power. It's the foremost trading power. And uh, chaos in China, confusion in China, uh, will have global consequences. The big question in front of China and the world is whether Xi Jinping will prevail in fulfilling China's economic and global power goals. The CPC's stay in power depends on continued economic success China currently enjoys. And it has launched several long-term strategies to ensure that happens. The party's Made in China 2025 plan aims to move away from the label of being called the world's factory and be recognized as a technological powerhouse. It has also made leaps in modernizing its manufacturing, agriculture, finance industries and medicine under the government's Internet Plus initiative. Its development push in technology also irked the United States Senate, which in response on 9 June, approved a $190 billion package to strengthen US technology and research to counter China's advances. Other than not being in the good books of many countries, China is also facing a population problem. The most recent census of China says that in 2020, just 12 million babies were born, compared to 14.65 million in 2019. In a nutshell, its aging population means a smaller workforce and a bigger pension bill. Manoj Joshi believes that Xi Jinping's revelation of its goals has resulted in China not having any trends on the map which may stump its growth and ambitions. I told you two things that Deng Xiaoping had told the Communist Party of China. Uh, that is that uh, term limits and the, the concept of collective responsibility. There was one more thing which he said. And that thing was that we must bide our time and keep our heads low. We must not reveal our capabilities to others. We must not take leadership. We must be kind of, uh, that as a nation, we must be modest and keep you know, uh, uh, keep on developing and then we'll see, okay? What has happened with the Xi Jinping and his colleagues is that they have, they have openly uh, revealing China's capabilities and revealing China's uh, goals. And this is now, this is what has created tensions all over, meaning whether it's the South China Sea, whether it's the East Sea with Japan, whether it is Ladakh with India. We find an assertive China all over the place and the result is, you know, today, China doesn't have too many friends. I mean, say besides Pakistan and North Korea. So you have you, uh, you find that uh, in recent times, for example, earlier, even the European Union, they signed a comprehensive agreement on the investment last year. Uh, but now they are drawing back from it. So they're becoming, they're going, getting closer to the Americans who are basically now termed the Chinese as strategic competitors. So the point is, has the CPC revealed its hand too early? Because the consequence of revealing that hand is that, for example, in the area of high tech, it has come under embargo, meaning what the United States now has, has a comprehensive um, embargo on certain levels of emerging technologies, etc. Earlier, the Chinese had access to it. There's, there are restrictions on Chinese um, students in the United States. There are restrictions on business that you can do with companies that have association with the People's Liberation Army. So what has happened is that Moving from this concept of engagement, uh, see the Western, uh, the West initially thought that as China, uh, the that engagement was the best thing because as China engages with the West, as it becomes richer, eventually it will become democratic. But of course, that has not happened. 
now the west has turned around and uh, that is under uh, trump they turned around and said that actually china is now our strategic competitor and if it's a strategic competitor then we have to uh, we cannot have a policy of open engagement there will have to be certain areas where we will be restrictive and that is what has happened and so the point as china goes ahead and wants to become a high tech power uh, it has it realizes that a lot of the technology that it was utilizing uh, was imported technology or stolen technology or technology they had acquired through buying out companies now many of those avenues have, have been shut now the question is do the chinese have enough of a momentum of their own technology because they also have a huge technological base uh, whether they have enough of a momentum to go it on their own or whether they are going to get stuck somewhere but keeping aside the criticism that china has faced under the rule of xi jinping the cpc has transformed the entire country from being economically weak and poor just four decades ago to a global superpower in 2021 in the 1990s china emerged as a factory of the world by providing cheap labor for infrastructure projects and driving down prices for almost every good made in the world apart from its dominance in world trade china also made leaps in space research this month itself they will be sending three astronauts for a three month mission on a new space station according to sidendra kulkarni the average chinese citizen now eats better resides in a better habitat has access to better education and healthcare adding that there are lessons to be learned from the cpc for the entire world and especially india the first and the biggest lesson india should learn is reaffirm our faith in our own constitution you know one of the preambular principles of our constitution is socialism you go back to the preamble of the indian constitution socialism is very much there along with democracy and secularism but today you know most political parties and most people in the media and intelligentsia seem to have lost their faith in socialism they think that socialism is responsible for india's problems no L- learn from china china has remained faithful to socialism but here again they say socialism with chinese characteristics which means that they have they have adapted the idea and the ideology of socialism in a manner that is suitable to chinese cultures chinese society chinese conditions and chinese needs now similarly i strongly believe the time has come for india to develop socialism with indian characteristics not not imitate china not imitate the soviet union not imitate any other country and certainly not imitate america where you see such a dangerous level of income in income inequality which is going to create huge social problems in india so we have to create a, a path of indian socialism with indian characteristics so this is my point number 1 let us you know we have we have in the in the last 20 years after or rather 30 years of uh, economic reforms in india we have seen a lot of prosperity in india of course true but do you know uh, the the gap between india and and china in the last 30 30 odd years let me give you some absolutely startling startling statistics you know in 1962 when we had a war with china india's gdp was 42 billion 
China's GDP was 47 billion. Almost the same. But in 2019, India's GDP is about 3 billion, 3 trillion dollars, whereas China's is 15 trillion dollars. And it is almost, you know, catching up with, with, with America. Now, how did, you know, they, they did not uh, achieve this by abandoning socialism. They stuck to the socialist path. And which is why I said that uh, the common people today in China are living a better life. Whereas the common people in India are suffering. You know, the, the huge disparity between the billionaires in India and the common people who live in the slums of India and in uh, the poor in uh, rural India. Now, is this sustainable? Is this acceptable to us? Should we not change this? So my response to your question, therefore, first, we must gain or regain our faith in socialism. But in doing so, we must remain democratic. And this is where we are, you know, in some way, this is our strength over China. China is not a democracy. We are a democracy. We must remain democratic. While remaining democratic, we must achieve a more egalitarian, more equitable development. Now, for this, in my opinion, the political parties in India have to come together and have more cooperation and consensus and less confrontation. You know, look at the political situation in India every day. You know, the leader of one, one party blames the other. The other, other leader blames this man. And this goes on. This game is going on and on and on. And who is suffering? India's development is suffering. India's people are suffering. So if we have to learn this second lesson from China, it is the unity of the political class. The third is unity of the people. Patriotic unity. You see, there's far greater patriotism in China than in India. So if we, and of course, I must, I must add one, one last thing here. China has progressed because it has more or less, you know, forget the South China Sea uh, thing, but it has more or less created an external environment that is peaceful. Out of the four, 14 neighbors that China has, it has resolved the boundary disputes with 12 of them. There are only two countries left with whom it has still not resolved the boundary, India and Bhutan. Now, India, you know, we have a problem with China. We have a problem with Pakistan. Now, all our energy is being dissipated. We must resolve our problem with Pakistan. We must resolve our problem with China and create a peaceful neighborhood environment, which leads to integration of South Asia, more cooperation in South Asia. And this will raise India's profile in the world community so that we can then, along with China, we can shape the, the new world order in the 21st century. China is redefining the rules of engagement and its strong desire to grow prosperous are certainly to watch out for. However, the success of this plan rests on the shoulders of only one man and the plan does not have a failsafe. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe to The Big Story for episodic updates. We're available on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms.
For other podcasts, please log on to the Quint website and for any feedback, please shoot an email to podcast at thequint.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint website and check out our other podcasts. 